0: this morning. Um, Well, it's Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day, everybody. And uh, it's good to see you in church this morning. Um, Before we head into worship today, um, I want to bring your attention. You may not know uh, that Rick Turnmire is in the hospital. And if you didn't know that, right now, he's actually in open heart surgery. Okay, it started a little after 7 o'clock, so it's about a four hour or so long surgery with a couple hours recovery. And I do know they had a lot of work to do, so much that they can't do it all today. And they're actually going to have to do some more in the future. But uh, knowing he's in surgery right now, we know Tish and Jenny and, and Josh and Macy are over at the hospital with him, waiting for him to get out. I thought we'd open up service and prayer for him today. Okay, how about we all stand up on our feet and let's just pray for Rick and lift him up. And you guys know, if you don't know who Rick is, he's always the guy greeting at the door. All right, that's Rick. Rick is our, our main greeter, and he does such a phenomenal job. So, uh, Lord, we just lift Rick up to you. And, Father, um, in surgery right now, Lord, I just pray that you're with him. You're with the doctors. I pray that, that you, Lord, are doing work. And I pray, Father, that, that this is the final thing. His heart is good. It's good to go from here on out. So when he comes to and recovers, he's back on life as he wants to live it, Lord. So touch his body. Holy Spirit, touch him in a powerful way. And we just ask that you do a work in him, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen, amen.
1: Amen. Praise God that prayers move mountains. Hallelujah. Give unto the Lord, O you mighty ones. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord is over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Yes, the Lord splinters the cedars of Lebanon. He makes them also skip like a calf, Lebanon and Saran like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord divides the flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth. And strips the forest bare. And in his temple, everyone says, Glory! The Lord has enthroned at the flood, and the Lord sits as king forever. The Lord will give strength to his people, the Lord will bless his people with peace.
2: Are you past the point of weary? Is your burden weighing heavy? Is it all too much to carry? Oh, let you tell me about my Jesus. Do you feel that empty feeling? Because shame's done all it's stealing. And you're desperate for some healing. Oh, let me tell you about my Jesus.
1: He is the truth. He is the life. There is no way to the Father except through Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us a
2: clear path to
1: this story where they were fishing and they were not catching anything and the Lord said Jesus said try this side again and they said we already tried that side and he said cast your nets again and they caught so many fish that their boat was heavy They had already tried that side, but have you ever thought that God was already working, that those fish had to come at that right moment to be captured at that right time? They had already fished that side, so they were already coming at the exact moment that they needed to be there for the nets to cast them out of the boat, and do you think that God is going to forsake you? No, he is saying, come to me now. Even when you don't see it, I have already put things into motion for you to receive Is the King above all kings, the Lord above all lords, and he can open up any door that he wants to open.
3: Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Never stop, you never stop working. Never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working, never stop, you never stop working, never stop, you never stop working. is overcome. Trust me. Darkest night.
1: can't be chained up. I just want to say that. So let those things just crumble right out of your hands. Nothing like that can hold a chain. Hallelujah. He is just amazing. Well, we're so glad to have you here this morning with us. We would love for you just to go around and greet some of your family of faith this morning.
3: Thank you.
0: Good morning, everybody. Live streamers, it's good to have you if you're watching on live stream. And we're going we're gonna to take up tithes and offering. Nathan, where's Nathan? I forgot last Sunday about Nathan taking up offering. Come on down, Nathan.
3: Give
0: a little bit. All right, everybody, Nathan's going to take up tithe and offerings, so uh, let's give him your attention uh, for
4: a couple moments here. Go ahead, sir. All right. So what came to mind when I was thinking about this uh, tithe and offerings, I felt the Lord say investment. So in most at some point, most of us in our lifetime, we pay into a retirement and, you know, 401k, IRA, or whatever, with expectation that at some point that's going to carry us over. And I believe the Lord was saying this the same way. When we give our tithes and our offerings, we're expecting that the, that the advancement of the kingdom is going to move forward. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we're investing in the work of God. We're investing in souls, making it to the kingdom of the have, heaven. And uh, Jesus reminded me when he said, "You rob my father of tithes and offerings," he wasn't merely talking about financial goals. He was m- merely talking about you're robbing my father from the uh, ability to to work miracles in your life. In your life, that you're you're robbing God of the opportunity to bless you. And uh, when, uh, when when we think about what what does it look like to to move mountains, what's it? What's it look like to take this, just a mustard seed and move mountains? This is what it looks like. When this is saying, I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills, but I know that God's going to serve. God's going to provide. I'm going to give Him my first fruits, and Jesus says, "Seek first the kingdom Amen. of heaven, and all things will be added to you." Amen. So, Father, we just pray that that You would just bless every every that has given into this basket, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would show yourself faithful, God. You said that this if you want to test me, this is how you test me. And, God, we just we call out on your name. We take you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen. All right. Thank you, Nathan. If you have something today, you can bring it down this morning. I forgot them last week, and I said it would be doubly good today, and it was. Amen. All right. Well, good deal. Well, I'm glad you're all here today. A couple announcements real quick. Uh, Don't forget, uh, we're putting together a sound team uh, to help uh, run the sound in place back there at the soundboard. So if you're interested in that, there's a sign-up sheet at the back. It's a dream team we're putting together. Also... Uh, If you've never been water baptized, as the scripture commands us to, we are having water baptism the first Sunday of June, right after church. So if that's you, you can sign up at the back, and if you sign up, I'll I'll contact you, and we'll talk about it a little more, but we believe in the, the outward sign of inward change, new creation. That baptism symbolizes that the old man here getting uh, baptized into the water, renewal, rebirth, washing of the word, coming out a new man. And that's what it's about. It's a public witness to those who are there that you are saved and have given your life to God. So anyways, sign up the back for that if you're interested in that. We got uh, summer youth camp. We got... Uh, our vacation Bible school, I think we'll start announcing on Wednesday. So uh, youth camp's at the end of July, vacation Bible school's at the end of June. So if you've got kids, uh, watch out for the information about that, and it'll be a good time, and certainly worth their time being a part of that. And I think that's all, except for Happy Mom's Day, everybody. All the moms in the house, and um, uh, moms, you are doing a good job. I want you to know that. Now, and I know some of you say, when, when you hear people say that sometimes, you, you start to say, well, and, and then you think about your, your, where you feel that you failed and the mistakes that you feel that you've made. And I'm here to tell you, you're doing a good job. So keep at it. Don't give up. And even if, you're, even if your kids are grown, like, like mine aren't in the house anymore, that's, that's I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but... Um, <laughs> We never stop parenting and being parents of our kids, no matter how old they are, right? So moms, you're doing a good job. Keep at it. We honor you today. And if you're here, by the way, ladies, if, you, if you're not a mom, that's okay. We honor you today also. And uh, what I'd like to do, I'd like to pray over all of you. So all the moms, all the ladies in the church, I want you to stand up, okay? And guys, you got to give the guys, let's give them a hand, okay? They do a great job, and we believe in the moms. And... Um, Okay, I'd like to pray over you this morning. Lord, we thank you for the ladies of the house because we can't be a church without them. And Lord, I thank you for what they give to this church, but, but they also for simply what they do in life. And for those that are moms, Lord, I, I pray that you encourage them, strengthen them, continue to give them a double portion of wisdom in, in, in raising their children and the things that they're involved in in their life, Lord. Help them, lead them, guide them. But for all the ladies here, I pray that you bless them today physically, financially, emotionally, relationally, Lord, that you are so who you are in their life, Lord. And I thank you for them, so strengthen them and bless them. And I pray that this morning they are entirely 110% encouraged and to know that we appreciate them. In Jesus' name, we all say Amen. amen. All right, thank you, ladies. Anybody going out to eat afterwards today? No? Really? Wow. Okay, never mind. i was going to say, I don't even know what to say to that. Okay, um, I hope you're having a good meal with your family today. How about that? And we're going to try to go out to eat, right? We're going to try. Yeah. Getting a long line somewhere. Enjoy our time together. But Gavin's in town. He's leaving right after church, and and Hope has a friend's leaving later today, so we're going to go out to eat, so it'll be good. It'll be good. All right, get your Bibles out and open up to the book of Matthew, chapter number 13. We're heading into a new series today entitled The Ways That Keep Us On The Way. Can you throw that graphic up there? Oh, it's already there. Thank you. Ways That Keep Us On, and and the last way there is, is capitalized. Ways That Keep Us On The Way. Did you know that the early church Christians were called as those belonging to the way? Did you know that? Uh, You find, I think there's like probably about six different times in the book of Acts. It it, uh, talks about those who belong to the way. The first time we find it is Saul is helping persecute the church and members of the way. And the way obviously uh, denoting that there is a way of life, that Jesus is the way, it's a way of following him. And they, they believe um, that those that called themselves as being part of the way, it's a designation that they gave to themselves, that we are part of the way. In other words, they, there is a way to be, a way to live, and it's Jesus. Because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And they, they called themselves, we're, we're part of the way, the way, Jesus, that's who we are. Uh, Christian, the word Christian, I believe, um, I think in Antioch, uh, in, uh, let's see, I think I wrote it down somewhere. They're first called Christians in Antioch, um, and, and of course the word Christian means belonging to Christ. So early designations of people that were believers in Jesus as those belonging to the way, and Christian, belonging to Christ and being on the way, on Jesus, a way to live. What that speaks to me is this, that the church should be those who are in long-term discipleship. That, that we are those that belong to Jesus for the duration of our life. Discipleship. That every day we are fully conscious of what it means to live in him and by him and for him. So there is a proper way to go about life because we have given our life to Jesus. Now, it's not the most popular way, and it's not the most populated way. Is that true? Um, As a matter of fact, if we try to consumerize Christianity so much to make it popular, it will cease to be Christian. How many know what I mean by that? It's, It's not meant to be popular, it's meant to be lived in. And, and what I want to do over the next few weeks, I want to talk to you about certain ways that keep us on the way, characteristics of the life of a believer that should grow in you to help you stay in long-term discipleship. Gene Peterson, if, if you don't know about him, he passed away a couple years ago, but uh, I, I love his writings. He was a pastor of pastors. He says it like this that, that christianity is long obedience in the same direction okay that there's a long obe- a lifelong obedience a way of being in the same and it's the direction of the life of jesus okay so kind of a, a couple ways to to look at this matthew chapter 13 and verse number 18 is that is jesus talking about the parable of the sower now he gave the parable and he sort of explains it here. So uh, Matthew 13, verse number 18. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one or the enemy, the devil, comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As Jesus told the parable. He gave different scenarios. That is not discipleship. Correct? Here's another thing he said. As for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet it has no root, endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. That is not long-term discipleship. See what I'm saying? All right, here's the next one. As for what was sown among the thorns... This is the one who hears the word, but takes care of uh, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. That is not long-term discipleship. And here's the last one. After what was sown on good soil it was received and, and cared for and nurtured. This is the one who hears the word and understands it. And he indeed bears fruit and yields in one case hundredfold, in another case, 60, another 30fold. That is long-term discipleship. Right. There is a life that, through the process of growing in him, produces something in keeping with the kingdom of God. That's discipleship. I'm after, as a pastor, I am after good soil that produces a harvest. That's what I'm after. I'm not after those that it may spring up, but for some reason it dies away, or those that don't receive it at all. Now, we pray for those, and we hope that they they grow into that last example. What we are after is people who live a life of perseverance to the end. They stay faithful and receive the reward of living in him. Long-term discipleship. So, so as you know, I was a youth pastor for a lot of years. I came across hundreds and hundreds of young people in my ministry, okay? There's a lot of those kids after they graduated school, high school, that they, they went out to live life, they went up to college, they, they moved out of the area for jobs. They're scattered all over the place. And every once in a long while, I run into one of them. And eventually, in our conversation, I get around to what's going on right here. Well, I was their pastor at one point, so I just sort of stayed that way. So I'm allowed to ask, right? Because my interest is, are you still living on the way? I'm glad you're successful in life. Maybe married and have kids, or maybe, maybe you're successful in the job, or whatever they're doing in life, I'm glad. But my biggest question, the thing I want to know the most about is, are you still in long-term discipleship? That's the biggest thing the church is for the equipping of the saints to build up the saints not for a short duration so eventually what you have withers and dies you know why the church constantly should constantly teach the foundational truth of the word because we're constantly bringing you strength to stay in the long haul Amen. so whatever our future holds if I live another 25 years, and I will, and I run into you in another 25 years, and you'll be there, I'm going to ask, are you still on the way? In other words, are you still in long-term discipleship as a Christian belonging to Christ? This is not a sprint. I, I ran track. I was a sprinter. If you asked me to go anything over 400, I was going to question you. All right? I'm not a miler. I'm certainly not a two-miler. I'm not a marathon runner, but Christianity is just that. Christianity is not a sprint. Christianity is learning what it means to stay in for the long haul. Through the ups and the downs and the twists and the turns, staying faithful to belonging to Christ. Amen. So Matthew chapter 7, let's go back to the Sermon on the Mount. One more way of looking at this, and we'll get into what I want to talk about today. This is the introduction. We'll get there. Matthew 7, verse number 13. It says, enter by the narrow gate. Well, who is the narrow gate, by the way? Jesus. We enter by him. Enter by the narrow gate. For The gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many but for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few long-term discipleship is living and walking on the narrow road it's not the most populated road out there okay but the narrow road is the way we're supposed to live in other words you entered the narrow road by the gate who is Jesus, salvation. And what salvation did was it put you on the beginning of this narrow road you're supposed to walk. Your salvation wasn't the end of anything. It was the beginning of all things. You know that? And now that you have been saved, you've been been bought by him, redeemed by him, new creation, now now there is a way to live this long-term discipleship. He puts you right on this narrow road and asks you to walk this narrow road. And Jesus doesn't pull any punches. He says right there, and the way can be hard. It's not easy all the time, which is why we need to develop things in our life that keep us on the way, ways that keep us on the way. We've been called to walk a narrow road. Now, here's the thing about this, by the way. The narrow road, and we'll we'll probably intro next week with what Paul says, the race that has been marked out for you, the narrow road, it is actually marked out for you. You don't make this Christian stuff up as you go along. You don't ab it. You're not just kind of floating around out there spiritually, connecting some dots somewhere and getting some enlightenment. The way has been marked out. And it takes some things about you to stay in this long-term discipleship and stay on what has been marked out for you. Let me understand what I'm talking about. Okay. So what I want to get at today is this, this word that i must, it's not a popular word, but let's talk about obedience. Turn to your neighbor and say obedience. One of the ways that keeps you on the way is that we learn to be obedient. So 1 John. Chapter number two, I have a funny story about this, this uh, passage. I was a freshman in college. I went to Bible college. Well, it was, a, it was a, a Christian school, a liberal arts school, but it had a Bible program. So I went to, to Bible college. I was just saved. I grew up in the church, but I just got saved. And I went to Bible school. And I knew, I knew about the Bible. I could tell you about the Bible. But if you asked me about quoting verses in the Bible, I couldn't do it, right? So my roommate his name is named Scotty, he's a freshman also, and um, somehow or another, he got elected floor chaplain, which meant he had to host a little Bible study every week, and whenever they had something to talk about, they'd come talk to him. So I was laying in my bed, and we built a loft, so I'm kind of up in the air, laying in, in my bed, and he had a Bible study coming down to our room, and just probably not too long from our conversation. He goes, "Man, I need something to talk about. What am I going to talk to these guys about? Give me a verse." And I was just being dumb. I said, 1 John 2.6. I just kind of threw it out there. I was just being dumb. And a couple moments later, he goes, wow, that's a good one. I never forgot that because that's where we're going today, First John chapter 2, because it's a good verse. It's a challenging verse. It ultimately is about obedience. First John in chapter number 2. Let's, we'll start in verse number 3, actually. And by this we know that we have come to know him. Now, it should be part of living the Christian life to you that you would know him. I'm talking know him. I'm not saying in a a superficial, distant way. I'm talking know him. Because remember, God, God is intensely personal. He wants to know you. But we would learn to know him And watch this, this is how we know him. If we keep his commandments. So whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar. And the truth is not in him. Whoever keeps his word, and in him truly the love of God is perfect. By this we may know we are in him. And this is the verse I just threw out there. I had no idea what I was talking about, but it's a good one. Whoever says that they abide in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. And NIV says, whoever claims to live in him must walk as he did. If you want to know him, part of your knowing of him is obeying his commandments. And in obeying his commandments, you will learn how to walk as he did, truly being a light in this world. That can only happen in obedience. See, the Christian life, yes, it's salvation. He forgives me, so I am saved. But now I live a life that is marked by obedience to what he has said. Is that right? Again, you don't get saved so you can go do whatever you want because grace is so great. I'm all about grace. Grace is the greatest thing. We need to preach grace. But grace does not afford you to do whatever you want. Living in grace is learning how to live in the obedience of God. Because now you've been forgiven of your sins, you've been set free from it, so let's live set free. And living set free from our sins comes because we learn how to be obedient. The abundant life is what God has for you. Now, we, we talk about the freedom of the Spirit, the freedom we find in God. Freedom when we learn his ways because abundance is found in his ways, not doing what you want because you've been forgiven. Let me know what I'm getting at. You know, the Bible, um, in in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus, to teach us how to pray. He said, our Father in heaven, holy is your name. We're honoring God in his name. Now watch what he says. Your kingdom come. Whose kingdom? God. Your will be done. Whose will? Now look, not my kingdom, not my will. But we we start off our prayers with this idea of honoring God and all the things we ask for and pray for. In other words, the things we desire in life are within his kingdom and his will. And we learn those kind of things because we learn what obedience looks like. Now, by the way, when John's talking about the commands, following his commands let's just let's just qualify that for a second so chapter 3 and verse number 11 it says for this is the message that you have heard from the beginning that we should love one another and then go down to verse number 23 and this is his commandment that we believe in the name of his son Jesus Christ and love one another just as he commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And this is we know how we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. So the command of God, the way of life centers around the, the great commands, loving God and loving your neighbor. And the obedience that comes with learning to live this in your life. See, obedience is to give yourself over to something besides yourself. That's what it is. Even when you think you want something different. See that? Obedience is to give yourself over to something that's not of you, even when you want something different. So I learned to obey God and his command, even when I want to do something different. That helps keep me on the way. That helped keep me in long-term discipleship. See, in other words, it is to say there is a better way and I give myself to it. That's the life of faith. Living by faith is living by the way of God, not your own way. Living by faith is living by his kingdom and his will, not my own. Living by faith in that way keeps me on the way. It helps keep me in this this vein of long-term discipleship. Now, you've got to think about obedience, and you've got to kick the word legalism right out the window. Boom, pun it. Get it out of here. If you can't kick it far, run up a couple steps and throw it. Do whatever you do to get away away from you. Because the moment you start thinking about obeying Jesus as legalism, you've, you've taken away abundant life that he has in the fact that you do obey. It is in the obedience of staying on the way that you find abundant life. It's not that God has a bunch of rules and, and he's the big rule keeper. You see what I mean? And he's trying to take all my fun and take all my joy. So don't do this and don't do that. And you can't have this and you can't have that. He's trying to keep you from destroying your life. You see that? And he's trying to keep you in the way of abundance. So yes, there are things you should not do. But there's a whole lot of stuff that you learn to do that brings you into abundance. So get legalism way out of the way. Kick it far down the road as you can kick it. Because it will constantly make you question, is this really the best way? Is this really necessary? Do I really have to do that? Do I really not have to do that? And if you start questioning all the things that you find in the scripture that way, you'll find yourself getting off the way. To give yourself over to something that is not you. That that is why, again, accepting Jesus in your heart, that's that's language, whatever. I like better that I've given my life to him. Because giving my life over to him, I'm giving myself to something that is not me. Because he knows better. Do you believe that his way is the best way? Now, now see, we all in church, yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you face a decision, and you know, obedience is the way of love, but man, I'd rather do this. You see what I'm talking about? Do you really believe his way is the best way in that moment? We we think that big picture, yeah, I walked the narrow road, but but it's made up of every step and every decision that you face. Am I going to do this the way of Jesus? Because I believe that his way is the best way. And I submit to it in obedience. This is when we start to nuance the Christian life in the the details of our life. And it means everything. You can talk, you know, a big game. Oh, yeah, big picture, I'm on the narrow road. But, man, if the decisions of your life say something different, you're not really there. Because long-term discipleship is staying on what has been marked out for you. Because we're obedient to it. Ways that keep us on the way. See, obedience is a deliberate, willful decision to follow his ways. Again, showing up in every detailed decision of your life and how you respond and the things that you say. Am I submitting to a way that Jesus has given me? See, choosing to obey turns into an attitude and a way of living. And it makes faith continually possible in your life. You know that? Choosing to obey turns into a way of living. In other words, that I'm willing to be submissive. That's not easy for the human nature. We don't like to be told what to do. Am I right? And we don't like to be told what I shouldn't do. But there's an obedience that comes into living for Jesus because there is a way. And what that does, is it offers the opportunity for continued faith to be possible in your life. So Nathan, in offering today, talked about giving. Do the scriptures talk about giving? Do they? Yeah. Do we need to be, be obedient to it? Yep. And what that does is it opens up doors for faith to be continually operative in your life because of the response of what happens because you obey. See that? And it keeps you in a certain way of living. So obedience is part of the keys of the formation of new creation living out in your life. So obedience keeps you on the way and it will make it hard for you to get lost. It'll make it hard for you to get distracted. It'll make it hard for you to get confused. You'll learn to know what to do. You know what what gets in the way of obedience? Pride. Sometimes doubt. Reasoning, figuring it out on your own. Like you've got a better way to figure it out than what God has said. See, when you repent, see, what puts you on... The narrow road, the gate of Jesus happens because of repentance. I repent that I've realized that my life has been wrong. Is that right? Sin. But repentance isn't just acknowledging you've been wrong, but repentance also means change. And you won't change. You can repent all you want to, but you won't actually change and live it unless you learn to be obedient, right? So, so let's, let's say uh, I come to know Jesus, and I realize I'm a liar. Let's, let's say I'm, I'm, I'm not good at speaking truth. And I realize that in Revelation, and, and, and I repent, Lord Jesus, forgive me for the things that I have said. Now, there's a narrow road to walk with this now. You know that? And I could, I could repent all I want to about dishonesty, but if I don't come into the obedience of speaking truth, I'll never change. Because then, then I may be faced with a situation where it's easy to lie because I put myself in a pickle Well, if I just tell a little dishonesty here, I can sidestep this thing all in a big way. It seems to benefit me at the moment. But what am I going to do in that that moment? Am I going to choose to live the Jesus way and stay on the way or choose to do it my way and get off the way? Am I going to be obedient even if it costs me something in the moment? See what I mean? Ways that keep us on the way, to be obedient to what he has put in front of me. So Philippians chapter 2, you don't don't need to turn there, but it talks about Jesus coming and and taking on uh, his, his humanity, the incarnation. And it says that he became obedient to even death on a cross. You see that? That when the Son of God came in this world to save this world, it happens through the obedience of dying on a cross. Remember in Gethsemane, he goes, hey, hey, God, do we really have to do it this way? Remember? Can, can this cup, do I, do I really have to drink this cup? Can this cup pass from me? But yet, but yet not, not what I will, but what you will. Jesus, in the fullness of his humanity, went to the cross in a mighty act of obedience. This is our example. One of the examples, we'll get to this in a couple of weeks, ways that keep us on the way is when Jesus calls you and says, Hey, pick up your cross and follow me. Are you gonna obey? And literally pick the cross up and follow? You say, ah, oh, not today. I've got other things to do. I've got to take care of this situation. Now I'll do the whole Christian stuff after that. <laughs> right? No. Obedience forms us into his image but then is the avenue of abundant life your your flesh the way the world works listen it's constantly fighting for who's lord of your life constantly who are you going to obey if you don't obey jesus you know you're obeying the other thing you know that who, are you, who is your allegiance to? To the kingdom, his will? Or, 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 or your flesh wanting to respond this way, or, or just the way society works. So I'd just rather do it that way. The book of John, the Gospel of John, Jesus says, in essence, he says, those who love me will obey my commands. Then later in 1 John, it says, to those who live in obedience, his love is made complete in us. You see that circle, how it works? Now, I've shared with you many times before, and this, this is so true. You don't get saved because you love God. You get saved because you want forgiven. You realize your life is messed up. But we should grow in our love for him. We start to, we start to see his love and understand his love, and that, that, that should... Uh, form a response in us, that we grow in our love for him. And as your love is growing for him, it's easier to obey his commands. But part of the process of obedience is that that it also helps make his love become complete in us. It's sort of like a circle, how it works. That my growth is part of becoming like him, living on this way of discipleship, because when you're a disciple, you learn from somebody, right? He's the master; I'm the apprentice. Listen, I've been following Jesus for, for uh, over 30 years. I've been pastoring for almost 30 years. I'm still an apprentice. I have not figured this whole. I'm still following him. I, there was never any time since, "Jesus, you've done your job. You can step off this side. I'm good to go. I'm ready. I'm ready to deal with this myself." You know what I mean? I'm all, I never, ever stop following him because I want long-term discipleship. I want to be a long-term disciple right to my last breath I take on this earth. Long-term discipleship. But it takes obedience. So when the Spirit says yes, it's a yes. When the Spirit says no, it's a no. When the Spirit says turn right, I turn right. When he says turn left, I, when he says jump, I Jump. I don't say, hey, wait a second, let me reason out why I need to turn right. Let me ask 20 questions here, then we'll get there. That I live in a way that's responsive in obedience. Part of the reason that, that people struggle with authority, you can't see, is because they struggle with authority. You can't see. When you struggle with the authority that's around you in your life, you'll struggle with godly authority. You know that? raising your kids and all all the things that happen because uh, of of structure that God places on us. When you struggle with that kind of structure, you'll eventually struggle with his structure. Obedience is something we learn and, and, and live in in our life. So, ways that keep us on the way. Put your pride down. Don't reason yourself out of believing his way is the best way. And don't doubt yourself there either. This this analogy really works for me because I like the hike. I was not a sprinter in school, but I like the hike. And I've been on some hikes. By the end of the hike, your feet hurting, you're done. There was a hike we did in the Rockies. It ended up, I don't know, probably a a 12-miler through the mountains. And we knew there was about a mile left, and our feet were killing us, hurting. And we came to this place, and we, all of a sudden, for as far as we could see, there were, I don't know what they were, mosquitoes or whatever, and you're just, we were just being mauled by these bugs, right? So we're, your feet hurting, you're tired, you're, you're, you're doing this mess, but we knew we were close. We knew we were close, you know what I'm saying? You've got to learn to stay on the way. Even if your feet are hurting, even if you have a moment you're tired, or it just seems like everything just seems to bombarding you, it's bothering you, it's just agitating you, it's making you angry. Stay on the way. Stay in obedience. Don't let the troubles of this life and the things that happen cause you to get off of the way that God has called you. Amen. Stay on it. There's a, you know there's a reward for long-term discipleship? You know that. There is a reward for long-term discipleship. There's a reward. The Bible says your labor is not in vain. Don't give up. Don't quit. Stay on the way the narrow road. Stay on it. For it's our calling. The whole time by the way it's abundant life and sometimes we miss it we don't feel it doesn't seem like it's right there but it is happening there's there's something going on in you that may sometimes not noticeable to you but it's happening because you're staying in obedience God's taken us somewhere you know that don't be in such a way remember remember I'm gonna close up right after this I promise remember that they get out of Egypt And then they're grumbling, complaining, griping, moaning, groaning, and they're just kind of circling through the desert. Don't do that. Don't mumble, groan, and complain and do all that stuff so you're just kind of circling the desert. He wants to take you to promised land. Let him take you there. But you have to obey. You have to trust. You have to let him lead you. Amen. All right. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for saving us. Lord, thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for giving us a road to walk on. Thank you for calling us your own. Thank you for caring enough to to giving us an avenue to abundant life. Thank you. But I pray we walk it with obedience that we learn what it means to be submissive to your will and your ways, your commands. That the way that we live, Lord, is representative of what it means to be called a Christian belonging to you, to be called somebody that is on the, the way. Lord, I pray you help us. You strengthen us. Give us wisdom the voice of the Holy Spirit clear to us to receive directives. I pray every time we get the scriptures, it jumps off the page at us. The Holy Spirit's bringing it alive to us so we're, we're embedded with your word. Lord, I pray that this group of people right here, that no matter what, the ups and downs the turns of life, that we're in this for the long haul. That no part of the peril of the sower, we have any of the seeds and the plants other than the ones that produced the harvest of 30, 60, 100 fold. That when they look back on each one of our lives, there is no question that we belong to you in every step we took, in everything that we did. Thank you for calling us your children. I pray we live in that, in all the things that we do. In Jesus' name, we all say amen. All right, well, be blessed today as you go. Have a great, great Mother's Day, and we'll see you Wednesday night and next Sunday morning. Bring somebody out with you, invite somebody to church. Have a very good week.